Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Appreciate you guys coming out on Labor Day. Uh, my name is Tim. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are starting a new series this morning called Connections, a series on prayer. I, uh, you may have been like me before I was ever a follower of Jesus Christ. I was a prayer. Now, it was only at particular times that I was a prayer, like emergencies and stuff like that, you know. But it seems like everybody... Uh, wants some divine intervention or is hoping at some, you know, at some point in your life you are hoping that there is such a thing as a God who has some control over the issues of your life, over the issues, things that are going on. Uh, it can be as trivial as, you know, God let me get through this line at Walmart. I wish, you know, I was closer to the register or at least one that was open. Or it could be like uh, in a surfing contest uh, or you could be like... There was a time in my life when I had this injury, and I would lay in bed at night when I was a young teenager, and I would cry out to God. I didn't know whether he was real or not, but I would say, Lord, please, if you're real, would you please touch me? Would you heal me? And I was serious about it. I mean, I was, it was a serious cry to God. I really wanted him, to, I wanted him to be there. I wanted him to be real, and I wanted him to hear my cry. Abraham Lincoln said... I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. And if you live long enough, everybody finds himself at that place where there are are not enough resources in yourself to really give you the hope that you need. And so you pray that there's someone on the other side of that prayer that you're praying. Everybody prays. Everybody prays. I don't have these statistics, but it wasn't too long ago I read that even atheists pray at times. You know, I think they, even in their unbelief, you know, it's, it would be nice if there was somebody there, if somebody was there to answer. So what is your definition? In your handout this morning, there's a blank for this. What is your definition of prayer? And uh, give it just a moment, think about it for a second, and uh, you could write it in your handout, or you could speak it up and just tell me, what is your definition of prayer? Say that again? Intimacy with God? I'm sorry, Pete? Heart-to-heart talk with God? Anybody else? Being along with God. All of these are excellent. Yeah, I'm a very simple person when it comes to these definitions of trying to trying to define something that can be seemingly complicated, which prayer in many ways can seem complicated at times. I mean, you're talking to the creator of the universe. You're talking to the creator of everything and everyone and 
to think that it could be very simple and just to go talk to him is a little bit too simple, it seems like. <laughs> you feel like there's got to be more to this than just speaking to him. But really, the, probably the best definition that I've ever come up with is just talking to God, you know, talking to him, communicating with God. So we are launching into this new series. I want to pray, and uh, then we're going to jump into this. We're going to be in this for about four weeks as we take a look at prayer, as we head up to our 16th church birthday in October. So we're just pushing on to that. So let's pray, and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. You are you're the presence of prayer in many ways in our life, Holy Spirit. You prompt us. You even take our words and you take them before the Father. When we're at a loss of words, there are times where we can only groan and, and you, Holy Spirit, take those groanings and you present them before the Father as a request. And we invite you to come today and teach us what it means to communicate, to have that conversation with you. Come and help us and encourage us, Lord, to pray and to free us to pray, to talk to the one that loves our soul, talk to the one that loves us more than anybody or anything. In Jesus' name, amen. I watched a uh, fascinating short video um, of Lady Gaga praying. Um, I'm not recommending you go watch the documentary. I'm just, I love documentaries. And uh, I watched this portion of her life where she is praying and pouring her heart out before she goes out. There's part of the prayer, you know, she's praying before. And it was it fascinated me because, again, God drops into the heart of every person, it seems, this desire to want to know their creator and want to know that there is someone, some relational uh, power or something out there that we can actually communicate with and sense cares for us. Everyone, we, uh, we Christians, we followers of Jesus, we church people sometimes need to be reminded that we're not the only ones that feel this pull, that, we, that God is pulling and wooing all the people that he loves of this earth because he loves the whole earth and he is wooing and pulling and trying to get people's attention constantly. I believe he loves, you know, Lady Gaga. I believe Jesus loves her, cares for her, and it breaks his heart when he sees her with a broken heart. In such a way. And even in her own, I mean, she's praying along, and yeah, maybe it's not the words you and I would use in prayer. Maybe hers are a little, a little more colorful. Uh, maybe she uses some superlatives and adjectives you wouldn't use. But she's saying what's on her heart. And she, even in one of the prayers I listened to and watched on video, you know, she was crying out to Jesus. Jesus, I know you're there. Jesus, I know that you love me. I know, and, and just crying that out. Uh, and then you go from kind of the other spectrum to somebody like Bono, who has become kind of the contemporary Christian's hero, and probably probably ninety percent of contemporary Christian music has been, uh, in some ways, fashioned after you two and and all. And Bono, you know, if you've ever seen him in concert, or if you've ever watched any videos, you've seen them. It's it's not too long into the concert that he won't start praying at some point in some time, and. Uh, 
I mean, I, he's had some really some credible things to say. Uh, you know, I don't know how you feel. I, I, think, I, think he's, I think he's a Christian. I believe that. I know that band started out as kind of a worship team in a band back many 30 years ago. And, uh, and so everybody has this sense of God. Billy Corgan, I don't have a picture of him, but Smashing Pumpkins guy. Uh, you know, I watched a video of him recently and where they asked him what's the next big thing in rock. And he said the next big thing in rock is God. And they, they asked him, where are you going, Billy? He said, to God. That's where I'm going. And then he had some... Uh, so he had some words for Christian musicians, like make better music. And, uh, and, but the fact of the matter is, Billy, even God is, God is after Billy. And Billy, you know, God is pursuing him. And Billy through his music and Lady Gaga through her music and Bono and different bands and different artists. I mean, the majority of the artists that we have that we appreciate, most of their art, a lot of their art anyway, came out of this urgency to communicate with God, to connect with God. God is always trying to reach down. And of course, the cross is the, is the epitome, is the highlight of God wanting to communicate with mankind. It was him stepping down into this world to say, here, I've come in my son. I've come in my son to forgive you and to reestablish a relationship with you so you can communicate, so we can communicate. Everybody prays eventually. Everybody does. And, uh, I mean, there's a question in church that's gone on, on for years and is why don't many of us have a better prayer life? If we, you know, if we went around this room this morning and we asked you, how is your prayer life? Some of you would pull out your journal where every single day for an hour, hour and a half, and you would make the rest of us very embarrassed, and you would pull these out, and you would go, well, here's my prayer life. I get up at 4 in the morning every morning, and I pray for an hour and a half. Uh, and that's wonderful. And then some of us would go, well, I kind of pray when I think about it. And why don't we have better prayer lives? Why don't we want to pray more than we do? And if God already knows what I'm going to ask, which is what the Bible says, right? If he already knows what I'm going to ask for, what I need, why should I even ask for it? It's like, oh, God, oh, that's right, you know about that, huh? Let me think. What can I, what can I, oh, let me ask you about. No, you know about that. Uh, gosh, Lord, okay, just take care of it. You know, we go, we, we, we're like, why even have a conversation with God. Well, I think there are some things that we can learn, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to ask questions like that over the next few weeks. We're going to ask questions like, why didn't my prayer get answered? Or why didn't it get answered the way I wanted it answered anyway? And what's taking God so long? Things like that. We're going to look at those questions. I want to launch this morning over in Psalm, uh, the fifth Psalm, Psalm 5, 1 through 3. And when I started reading this Psalm, I I realized I had learned this in a different translation probably 30 years ago as a guy named Chuck Gerard taught us uh, to sing a song. And it was this psalm, Psalms 5. And I was riding down the road yesterday, and I said, I wonder if I can remember it. And so I, it was 30-some years ago, and it's a different translation. But then I started singing it, and it came right back to me. It's amazing how music can plug in Scripture into your heart, and you can recall it you know, at any moment. And Psalms 5 is written by King David. And if you know anything about David, he was, uh, he was uh, a, quite a man. I mean, he was a king. He was a warrior. He was a worship leader. Uh, he had his faults. He had his problems. He failed. He succeeded. But out of all of it, God said he was a man after his own heart. 
And so when we read these words, realize the man, uh, what he was like, the man that wrote these words. Uh, This psalm was written because David was a musician. It was written, this not to the lyre, not to the guitar, but to flutes. And so he wanted this, he wanted flutes to be played in the background as this psalm was sung to God. You know, psalm means song, it's a song. Uh, The psalms are the national hymn book of Israel. Psalms are. And so most of them are meant to be sung. And so that's how you get them deep down into your spirit. So give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Give ear to my words, O Lord. I mean, David is crying out, saying, what I'm about to say to you is important. I hope you hear every word, God. I hope you hear every single part of what I'm about to say to you because it is very important. Consider my sighing. I really like that. Have you ever been around uh, someone and they just go, (sighs) I mean, they can mean a couple of things, right? One is that you're just really worn out and you're just at the end of your rope. And David seems to be saying to God, I hope you even notice my posture that my, I am just so frustrated that all I can do is exhale this breath. Please, Lord, listen and understand and hear my sighing. Or sometimes it can, it can, maybe it's been a long time for you, but remember when you used to look at your honey and you went, oh, like that. I mean, God loves that too. When you look at him and you look at him in the word of God and you look at what he's done and you just kind of sigh and, and you go, Lord, notice my sighing. Notice that I love you and I'm pleased with you. And I'm happy with you. Or I'm just so frustrated, words fail me right now. God, would you even hear that part of me? And this is David's cry as he continues to pray. It could be a sigh of frustration or a sigh of contentment. Listen to my cry for help, my king and my God, for to you I pray. I like this because first it's a cry of help. But my king and my God. He didn't say the king, the God, but he said my king, my God. There's that relationship in prayer that is very personal. God knows that who he's, or David knows who he is speaking to is his God. There is that relationship with him. And, and that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? If I talk with my wife, it's different than talking to anyone else. I mean, we have a special relationship. We can speak to, uh, to each other, to one another, at a totally different level because of the relationship we have. David looks at God and goes, you're my God. You're my king. You're the king. You control it all. You're in charge of it all. You're also God. And so, but you're mine. You're not distant. You're not out there somewhere. I know you. I've seen your handiwork. I've seen what you've done. You're my God and my king. And so here's that intimacy that uh, uh, Sharon or someone mentioned a while ago in that definition of prayer. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. You Hear my voice. Is there anything sweeter than knowing that God hears your voice? There is nothing worse than feeling like you're not being heard, is there? I mean, 
Somebody, you've seen the funny commercials on television and, and all of that when the wife or the husband's, you know, usually the wife's speaking to the husband or the daughter speaking to the dad. And they're talking, he's got the newspaper up or the iPad in front, and they're just going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not, they're not really hearing the request. They're not really hearing what's going on because their mind is somewhere else. David says, no, God. No, you know, you hear my voice. I can be confident in this, that when I speak, you're going to hear what I'm saying. I know that you're hearing every bit of it. You may do something different this time than before. It may take a little while, but I know you're hearing. I know you're listening to what I'm saying. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. That is huge. When you take something to God to begin, okay, there's two parts of this, right? It's almost like a contradiction. Wait in expectation. <laughs> it's like, well, I want, to, want it to happen. Like, I don't mind expecting for like 30 minutes, but the waiting with expectation can be very frustrating because I need it to happen now. But David says, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And so I can wait, but I don't wait as someone who's upset and frustrated, I'm waiting with expectation and knowing that indeed you are going to answer this prayer. Uh, I want to say too that people get hung up in the way you pray, your posture that you pray. You know, you find the posture that you want, the posture that is good for you. Uh, some people like to kneel, some people like to lay down, some people like to walk, depending probably on what type of person you are. Me? I can't sit still that long. So I'm like, I get up and I start walking. And, uh, and I want to walk. I mean, it's easier for me to pray to get out of here and start walking down the street and just pray and to walk and, and to ask the Lord instead of, not that I can't sit for three minutes, but um, some of us are just dialed differently and designed differently. And it's okay. It's okay for you to be who you are. It's all right for you to kneel, to walk, to lay down, to sing, to run and pray, to cry, to be emotional, to not be emotional. I mean, to simply enjoy a sunset or a sunrise and, and hear the Lord in that. Uh, you know, whatever pray, prayer posture, you know, that it works for you. And to be creative and break it up sometimes. I mean, that's also wonderful, isn't it? Instead of doing the same thing over and over again, sometimes to do something a little challenging or different to break you up out of the, the mundane and, and uh, to carry on a conversation uh, with the Lord. I, I forgot where it was. Man, this has been a long decade ago, too, that I heard this story of a man who loved his prayer time. And for him, what he would do is he would get up around 5 in the morning. He would put his best suit on. And then he would go into his living room. It was still dark, and he would put one chair out here, and he would put a chair in front of it. He would put his tie on. He would grab his Bible, and he would sit down in his chair, and he would visualize that the Lord was right in front of him. And his thing was, I'm going to give God the best I got, and I'm going in to see the king. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to spend an hour with my king. And that was his prayer habit. That was his prayer habit. He got into that every morning going in. And to him, it shook him and got him awake so he could appreciate who he was sitting before. 
I mean, whatever, you know, me, it'd be baggies and a t-shirt. That would, I would be comfortable in that, you know, because I feel the Lord really strongly when I'm in the ocean. I sense his presence. I, I, I feel his love. And so whatever works for you. And mix it up sometime. I haven't tried the suit thing yet, you know, I might. Um, so I've got a, a fill-in here for you that you can track along to and add a few helps. Uh, your first fill-in there is simply this. Let's talk honestly. Talk honestly with God. As Psalms 5, 1 through 2 said, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my sighing. Listen to my cry for help. My King and my God, for to you I pray. That's a gut-level honesty of just being straight-up honest with the Lord. Uh, that may be being totally self-disclosing, maybe not being gut-level honest with, but the way I say it to God has been somewhat of a challenge for me because I've seen God as maybe so regal in a way that I have chosen my words carefully when when I talk in prayer with him. And I'm not saying that's always wrong, but when I read David, I see that there were times when David just let it go. I mean, when he didn't understand what was going on, David just... I mean, I've prayed with some people who have used some very flowery language. I remember praying with one guy. I went on the job right down here, not far from here. He's working on these way up, like two, three stories up. I climbed the ladder up to get to him because I heard that things were tough. And I climbed up on one ladder. He's on the other one. He's working on the side of this building two, two, two and a half stories up. You know, and I'm looking. I'm like, so what's going on? <laughs> you know, what's going on with you and God? And, and, uh, and then he just, what the? you know, and I've really blankety blanked up and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, why don't you just tell God right now? You know, and the wind's blowing. And he just starts praying, just brutally honest, pouring his heart out to God. And I thought at that moment, I thought, you know what? That's an honest person right there. God's a big guy. You know, he's a big boy. He can handle whatever you dish out to him. And I listened to him weep and cry on the side of that house up a ladder, but at least he was honest. He poured it out. And until we get into our relationship with God where we can be honest with him, we're still playing these little games with him. You can be honest with God. You can be honest with your father. And you can just you can be honest with few words. You don't have to be flowery. I, I, one of the guys, again, years ago that used to pray in the church, uh, one of the churches we went to, he would stand up and First time we went to this church, this guy stood up to say the prayer, and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. And I turned to Karen, and I said, wow, I wish I could pray like that. You know, it was all vilest, greatest, most awesomeness, unbelievablest, incrediblest, arrayed in great armor and arrayed in diamonds and the seas, you know, beckon at your call. I'm like, man this is awesome I mean that whoever that is is really pretty big and cool I mean by the time he finished praying like that but the downside was I felt like I could never pray when I heard that I was like well man if I had to pray like that God's never going to hear me I mean I can't I don't even know half of the words they sounded good I didn't understand them but they they sounded really good but then we meet John Wimber and John says here is the prayer that has worked the most for me. Help! <laughs> I'm like, yeah, vineyard's my place. You know? <laughs> that's, the kind of, that's the kind of praying I like. And so 
being honest with God, pouring it out to God, just telling him who you, you know, who you are, where you are, he does indeed already know. But something happens when you talk to him about it. Something happens to your heart. Something happens to you and your sensing of his presence that he's there with you. And an intimate relationship requires honesty. It requires honesty. And so we want to, to give that to the Lord. Uh, I mean, Moses, and think about him over in Exodus 5, 22 through 23. He says this, Oh, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? <laughs> Is this why you sent me? You know, it's like... Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. <laughs> you ever felt like that? My God, what are you doing? If this is the way you treat your friends, I mean, really, come on. It's okay. It's all right to be honest with God. Moses had a pretty good relationship with God, don't you think? And he could voice what he felt, where he was. David had a great relationship with God. He was a man after God's own heart. There are only two things that Jesus really criticized people about in praying. And you know what they were? One was when they're too long, and the other was when they were, too, when they were inauthentic. The prayers were not honest. In Matthew 6, 5 through 7, Jesus said, And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. <laughs> Gotta love Jesus. We just be, be honest. It'll take some practice for some of you. Some of you don't think God can handle your honesty. But he can, and he loves it. He desires honesty, truthfulness in the innermost, his word says. And so we can tell him. We can talk to him. Secondly, we can talk about everything with the Father. We can talk about everything. And that Psalms 5, 1 through 2, hear my sighing, my words, my cry. Do not. And then over in Philippians 4, 6, in the New Testament, Paul told the Philippian church, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You can talk to God about everything, in everything, big things, medium things, small things. Everything, let your requests, let your prayers be known to God. I've asked people to pray about things at times, and, and when they come to me, and I said, have you prayed about it? And they're like, man, this is too small to ask God for. I'm like, well, then it's too small to worry about. Right? If it's too small to talk to God about, then it's too small to even worry about. But it's not too small to talk to God about. In everything, whatever is important to you. Matter of fact, you could take your pen right now on that sheet and you could write down something. Everyone in here has something going on in your life, small, medium, or large, that you would like God to do, to answer, to show up in your life. Why not write that down? 
no matter what size it is, write it down and take it to God and say, Lord, here it is. Lord, here is my petition. Here it is. You know, it, you may not seem, it may seem big to you and you think it's small to God, but anything that's big to you is big to God. He cares about it. Remember, those of us who raised teenagers and you had a daughter and they went through a breakup and they were maybe 14, 15 years old and the world is ending. Remember that? It was everything to them. Now, you, as a mom or a dad, you knew it was going to be okay. You knew that down the road, probably three days, it was going to be okay. But especially in three months, it was probably going to be okay. But you didn't treat it like that. You treated it like, oh, honey, I'm here with you. I'll pray with you. Let's, let's walk through this. Come on, you'll get through this, you know. And believe me, what it, to God, it's not that big of a deal. But he cares about you. He cares about you. And he wants to have a relationship and a conversation with you. And so whatever, whatever is on your mind, small, medium, or large, I mean, just take a little survey through the Bible and you find things like Zacharias. He wanted a son, right? So he asked God for a son. That's a pretty big deal. He got it. Solomon, what did Solomon want? He wanted wisdom. He asked God for it. He got it. Moses and Samson, both of them different times, needed water. Water. I mean, you're like, I can't ask God for water. Well, you're not thirsty enough. <laughs> they needed water, so they asked God for it. They got water. Daniel, he wanted to understand the dreams that he had. You ever had a dream and it just bothers you over and over and over again and you don't under... Why not ask God? Well, okay, God, what, you know, is there something going on? Help me understand. Gideon wanted a sign. He wanted some confirmation for his life. Abraham's servant wanted to find Isaac a wife. He wanted to serve his employer well. So he wanted to get the job done. So he asked for help in doing that. Elijah, first, you know, he wanted it not to rain, remember? And then he wanted it to rain. And both happened, right? Didn't rain, what, three and a half years? And then it did rain. And so, I mean, Paul, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed and prayed about it. It never got removed as far as we know the way he wanted it removed, but he still took it to God. He still talked to God about it. The disciples, they asked for boldness. You know, in the, in the midst of persecution, Jesus prayed for his disciples that they would be one, that there would be unity in his followers. So whatever concerns you, I mean, whether you've got bills, you know, cars breaking down, your kids have ran off the rails, it feels like. You can't pay your bills. You know, you're having problems with some relationship. If you have a health issue, if you have a relational issue, whatever it is, what, it doesn't matter. Take it to God. It's okay. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I had a bunch of kids come to me. This is again been quite a while ago. It was a surfing contest. The surf was horrible. And there were these little groms, these little guys that had just come to Jesus. And it, it looked like the contest was going to be called off. They come up to me. It's at the old Tillman Pier up in North Myrtle Beach. They come over to me and they go, Tim, we're going to the end of the pier and we're going to pray that we have waves. And I'm like, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to hurt their faith. I didn't you know, they wanted to pray about everything. They wanted to pray about something that concerned them. And, and so I was kind of chuckled to my 26-year-old mature self and, and, and kind of thought, all oh, kids, you know, they'll get over that naivete eventually of praying for anything and everything. 
And some guy had even come up, a guy from Folly Beach had come up and said, I looked at all the weather charts, there's no way there's going to be any waves, it's flat, we need to call this contest off. So these guys went to the end of the pier. I can still see them standing at the end of the pier, holding hands at the end of Pops, and there they go, they start praying. Within three hours, the surf was so big, they had to call the contest off. <laughs> that is no, I'm still astounded. I mean, the wind came up, the wind came up, we got most of the contest, and they came over to me and said, mm-hmm, it works, mm-hmm, yep, it works, it works. Whatever enters your life, whatever concerns you, it's okay to take it to God. Pray about everything. Thirdly, you can talk continually, converse continually with God. It doesn't have to be erratic. It can be a continual life that you can build in, in prayer. First Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray continually. Pray continually. Let's not wait until something catastrophic hits. I mean, that's good to pray then as well, but what if we established our relationship now with God where we were already used to talking to Him? I mean, we, we enjoyed that, speaking to Him about the things in our life, and we're constantly doing that. You know, and again, everybody's wired differently. Some of you are like OCD prayers. You know, you can zero in and you've got your, you know, you're like, you're in it and don't disturb me, I'm praying. You know, and you're into it and you're just dialed in and you've been praying for that one issue for so long and you got the date where it was answered and all of this. And then some of us are ADD like me. It's like I'm praying for you one minute and I'm praying for somebody else 30 seconds later. Oh, yeah, about them. Oh, about them. Hey, as long as you pray, whatever your rhythm is, When you find your rhythm, use it for God. Let God use you to develop that relationship with Him of praying continually. One of the good things about the person who is easily distracted is usually you're distracted by other thoughts or things that are important. Like in this church, one of you will come to mind, another will come to mind. I'm driving down 31, I'll think of you, or I'll run into you somewhere. And as you learn to pray continually, you just start praying under your breath immediately. Okay, Lord, you brought them to my mind. I lift them up to you right now. I don't know what's going on in their life. I pray you touch them, you minister to them, and then you go to the next one, and you let the Lord just bring certain people to your mind or situations, and you continue to pray, and you can actually develop a lifestyle of praying continually. I mean, people don't know you're doing it, but you're doing it underneath your breath. Many times, you're just, when you get a few moments, you begin to pray, you begin to pray. You pray continually. And often, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, a British, he was quite a person, Pentecostal evangelist, said that uh, I never pray for over 20 minutes at a time. However, I never go 20 minutes without praying. <laughs> and so we can, uh, we can pray where we are. The Jesuits, which I really admire the way they built their prayer life, is they prayed on the go. They were workers and educators, and they wanted to get out and get it done. And I kind of, I kind of relate to them. They, they wanted to live with one foot raised, whatever God wanted, and they were ready to go. One foot raised, ready to move, ready to do it. And their praying was the same thing. They prayed on the move, whatever God prompted them to pray for. So if you're like that, instead of sitting down for an hour or two hours a day and praying, and you say, Tim, I can't concentrate, you can still pray. You can still pray on the go. You can pray continually. Uh, one pastor uses this acronym, PUSH, P-U-S-H. Pray 
until something happens. Pray until something happens. Just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Pray until something happens. Wherever you are, in the water, in the store, driving down the street, pray. In 1 Samuel 1.12, Hannah wanted a son. Remember the story? And in the, the 12th verse, it says, She kept on praying to the Lord. Eli thought she was crazy. He thought she was drunk because she just constantly prayed. He could see her lips moving, but he couldn't hear what she was saying. And she was constantly praying. Lastly is talk and listen. Talk and listen. A relationship that is healthy has a healthy uh, exchange of speaking and also listening. We talk and then we listen for a response. Nobody likes a one-sided conversation, especially your spouse. <laughs> so you want to, you know, God wants the same thing. He wants to hear your voice and he wants you to hear his. And so there are times when we pray and we ask something and then we wait. I used to keep a journal where I would write prayer requests down and then I would write the, the answer out and I would circle the answer with the date so I could go back to it and look and see the proof of God's faithfulness. And so we want to listen to when God speaks back to us as well and because and, uh, God does speak through his word. He speaks through other people. He speaks through that voice. Is he going to speak out loud? Well, he could. He could just scream out and he could have, you know, the James Earl Jones voice. You know that one? You know? Uh, would it be that one, the great voice of authority, or would it be the compassionate voice of Morgan Freeman? Which one, would, which one do you want? You know? which, but over in 1 Kings... There was a strong wind came to Elijah, and it says God wasn't in it. A huge earthquake came, God wasn't in it. A blazing fire came by, and God wasn't in it. But then a gentle breeze came by, and God's voice was in that. And it takes us settling down for a moment sometimes to hear the voice of God. Now you can experience prayer right now, right where you are, right in this moment. And matter of fact, that's what we're going to do as the band comes back up. You, all of you have something on your mind and in your heart this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can take that to him right now as we begin to worship. And one prayer that God always hears and is so quick to respond to is when you say, Jesus, here am I. I want to follow you. I surrender to you. I give my life to you. That is a prayer that God is immediately on the scene to answer for you. And he is here to do that right now. Let's stand. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.
David. It's the very prayer that you need answered more than anything is to know that God is with you. If that is your prayer this morning, I want to pray with you about that. So will you just kind of lift your hand up to me and say, Tim, that's me. I want to know that God, that I'm okay with God with me. I want to know that. Yes, thank you. Father, I pray your presence now those who just confess in their heart that you are who you say you 